What's up, guys? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast focuses on travel, lifestyle, business, and lately just manifesting and living life on your own terms. I feel like that sounds really Pinteresty, but I do believe that if we have more conversations around things like this, that maybe you guys will be inspired, whether that's to go after that side hustle, open that business, go on that trip you've been waiting for, whatever it is, that is what I'm trying to help you get to because for me, that is what I've been doing and it hasn't been an easy road. And so part of this podcast and the conversations I have with people is to show, yes, you can do everything that you want to do, but there's obviously sacrifice and hard work. So speaking of that, I actually wanted to give you guys an update on my Australian life. I moved into an apartment in Bondi Beach and Bondi Beach is one of the most iconic beaches in Sydney. So as you can imagine, in New York, for example, if you're in Central Park in New York, that's going to be expensive. So if you're thinking about Sydney living on the beach, like first of all, Sydney is one of the most expensive places in the world living literally five minutes to an iconic beach, that's not cheap. So what they do here is everyone shares rooms like you did in college where you had a dorm room and you had someone else in there. That's literally how Bondi Beach is. At first when I was apartment hunting, I was like, okay, obviously that's just people that want to live directly on the beach or just live with their friends and don't really care who they live with. Like there's no way I'm sharing a room with someone. Well, I'm now sharing a room with someone, and that is because it is literally everywhere. Like, I probably looked at five apartments, and every apartment is like that. They do have options for private rooms, but it's so expensive. It's literally just think of apartment hunting in New York. If you're going to pay for your own room, it's either going to be in a totally different part of town, or it's going to be shared with a million people. So that's how Bondi Beach is. Like, every single person is a backpacker. Every time I walk around and go to a cafe or a restaurant or an ice cream shop or anything, everyone is backpacking. It's almost like all expats here. There's definitely a part that's more residential and like locals, but for the most part, you're going to meet a ton of expats when you come to Bondi. So that is what happened with me. So I'm living with five people from the UK and they're all ages. They're like 22 up to 27, I think. And it's obviously so different from my life back home. When I lived in Chicago, I lived in a very nice apartment on the lake, downtown, by myself, every amenity you could think of, gym, pool, washer, dryer, AC, dishwasher, every kitchen appliance, Wi-Fi, you know, the works. And you start to realize when you move, especially now that I just got back from Bali, how many amenities and how much convenience America has And that's not to say you can't find that here. You're just paying a premium. So right now, I actually got really lucky that I'm only five minutes from the beach. And we do have a washer that actually dries our clothes as well. That is a luxury here. Like my friends are like, wait, you have a dryer? And I didn't realize that like no one has a dryer. Everyone hangs up their clothes. So I got lucky in that department. We have AC in our room. We have a fan. We have an oven. We have electric uh, stove, we have hardwood floors, we have closets. So these are things that you're like, yeah, wouldn't every apartment have that? And I'm telling you, no, not every apartment has that. So I got pretty lucky, but it's definitely a huge adjustment. Like I said, I used to live alone. And then when I moved back to Florida, I lived with a couple 
but it was much different because I had my own space on the opposite side of the apartment. I had my own room and bathroom. So I really was never sharing with anyone. Like we shared the living room and the kitchen space, but only with one or two other people, especially because of our work schedules. With here, you're sharing the living room space and kitchen with five other people. There's six of us total in this apartment. So like I said, it was quite the adjustment. I definitely have way too much shit. Like my roommates are like, uh, what did you pack? And I thought I really downsized well because when I moved from Chicago to Florida, I had already done this whole downsizing thing. Like I sold everything I thought I had in Chicago, everything, like everything in my kitchen, everything in my room, everything in the living room, all the decor, all these shoes and clothes and accessories. And then when I moved from Orlando to Chicago, I mean, to Sydney, I really downsized again. I got rid of, I think, nine huge boxes of clothes. I left everything that I didn't need at my parents' house. I left behind a ton of books. So in my mind, I was like, I really am going to be so fine when I get here. And I came with two huge suitcases and a little one and a backpack. And people are like, what the hell did you bring? Because everyone here just has a huge backpack and that's pretty much it. So I think I'm going to try and downsize again because as I went through Bali and I didn't even wear everything I wore there... I was just like, I mean, every wore everything that I packed. I'm just thinking like, I really do have too much stuff that I think I'm saving for that one occasion. Or if I go to a fancy night out or if I end up going to this, I would need that. And it's like, okay, let's say you do need a fancy dress. Just get one online or go to a boutique that day and figure it out or borrow someone. So I need to definitely go through my stuff because it is not working out. Everything is all over the place right now. It's so hard to organize because I just don't have space and everything's just like still in piles. So that's the update on my life right now. It is a, a mess in terms of how much stuff I have. Everything else is fine though. The roommates are amazing for having so many people here. It's surprisingly clean. They're really good at doing their dishes after. We try to make sure we can all clean at some point, which that was my biggest fear was that it was going to turn into like a dirty hostel and that hasn't happened yet. Cross my fingers, knock on wood, but so far so good and we communicate really well. So we're, you know, we're having a cleaning day Sunday and hopefully things can remain that way. So it's definitely different though. Like I said, it's not something that if you're older and ready to settle down and, and want to have your own space and live in quiet time and, you know, just have personal space. This is just not the place to find it. Well, not in Bondi or you can find it. Just be ready to pay way more money in rent. The other thing here is that they pay rent weekly. So that's a big adjustment because I'm used to just paying one chunk up, chunk up front and a lot of people think, oh, that's nicer. Like you just get to pay smaller chunks every week. But I am so bad at seeing money in my account and spending it that I know if I see the money there, I'm just going to use it. So I actually asked my roommate, I was like, can I just pay you up front for the month so that I don't even touch that money? And he's like, I feel like if I see the money in my account, I'll spend it. And I was like, oh, see, I'm the same way. That's why I don't want to have it in my account. So I'm actually trying to do something where I'm keeping my Australian bank account as like a bills account and paying people back. And then my American one using my credit card and almost using my credit card as a debit card. So I'm using my international credit card that I have no fees or anything on, but paying it off with my American savings bank account. So that's kind of the system I'm using now. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna keep it that way forever, but right now it works because I don't wanna touch my Australian money so I can pay rent because it's due every week and it comes up quick. Like I already have to pay rent again tomorrow. And I'm like, 
didn't I just pay? So it's not fun, um, at least for me. But again, there's other people that are like, oh, I love it. You just pay a little chunk every week. You don't have to worry about this massive debt coming out of your account. So it's just a wild adjustment here. The other funny thing is the way they write addresses. They write the unit number slash the road. So I'm not going to give you my address, but here's a fake one. Let's say I had like 10-46 Bondi Road. 10 is the unit number and then 46 is the street road. So I was like, I don't understand what that means. Like when people give me addresses, I'm like, God, what does that mean? Like 8th, 10th block, 10th unit, 10th floor. Like I had no idea, but now I'm starting to get it. So little adjustments here and there. Their zip codes are only four digits long. The phone numbers are only nine digits long. Like no, nine digits? Yeah, nine digits long. So it's definitely different in terms of when you're trying to communicate with people or if I'm trying to talk to someone back home and tell them how to text me or send me something. It's just so different. They're like, wait, what? Like, so you're at eighth floor, this this floor, this room, this level. And I'm like, no, 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 that's the actual unit number. So little things like that, that those are uh, hard to adjust to in the beginning. But now once you're here for a few months, you're like, okay, I get it now. I think the biggest thing actually for me to adjust to is they use Celsius instead of Fahrenheit and military time. They don't talk in military time. Like they don't say, oh, 1728. They'll say 528, but their clocks and watches and everything, their phones all have that time. So I have to get used to it too, because if I have a class or something to do, I need to be able to say, okay, I know what time it is. The other thing is, yeah, Celsius. People will be like, yeah, it's so nice. It's 36 degrees outside. I'm like, 36? Like, that's snowing. What are you guys talking about? And they're like, no, that's like a beautiful spring, summer day. And I'm like, oh, God, I really need to try and put my phone in Celsius or at least start looking at the weather back and forth so I can start to get that idea because everyone here talks in Celsius, even people from the UK, Australia, Europeans, everyone Americans, I found I are really just the only people that are using opposite metric systems. So we use miles instead of kilometers. They use kilometers. We use Fahrenheit instead of Celsius. We use pounds instead of, I think, kilograms. Yeah. So there are just so many little things that when you're shopping or trying to tell someone like the weather or what time it is or anything, you just have to make sure that you know what you're talking about. Because when I say, oh, it's 76, they're like, what the, that's like a heat wave because they're thinking in Celsius. So just little things like that, those are getting hard to adjust to as well. As far as work, I just got a job at a little gelato place down the street so I can actually pay this weekly rent. I'm working there part-time. And then the other half of my time, I'm trying to find a job as a yoga instructor. So a quick update on that front. You guys know I got my yoga certification if you've been following me. Yoga Girl Next Door is my new handle for my yoga adventures. So, you know, once I start booking private clients and picking up my clientele, that is where you can find me. But the thing is, with the yoga world that I found out, is when you get your 200-hour certification, which sounds like so much. Like in my mind, I was like, wow, I just conquered the world. I did 200 hours of getting certified in yoga. That's like entry level in the yoga world. So it's the same thing as when you apply to a job and you're like, yes, I have so much experience and you have like one internship or two internships. That's how it is in yoga. So when you go to a studio and you're like, yeah, I just completed my 200 hour training. They're like, good job, pat on the back. Like, great, keep going. And you're like, wait, what? 
So a lot of teachers I found out have 500 hours of training. So they do their 200 hour, then they wait a little bit and do their 300 hour. And then they start getting those jobs at like, you know, larger studios and big private clients. But that's not to say you can't get a job. It's just, again, it's harder. It's the same thing. Like I just said at the internship example, you probably want to hire someone that has at least two to three years of experience in the field versus someone with an internship. Same thing with studios. They want to hire someone that has 500 hours or has done their specific teacher training, and then you would be able to get hired. So right now I'm teaching free classes. I'm trying to just get in with studios to assist. So just helping out, shadowing, seeing if there's any teacher trainings where I can assist in the workshops or classes just to get my foot in the door. It really is a lot of scrappiness that I don't think I realized before this. I thought you just got your certification, you showed it to a studio, you would do a demo, and then they'd be like, great, come on. And there's definitely people that work that way too. Like I have a friend that she only has her 200 hour and she was just so persistent and knew someone that worked at the studio that they're like, yeah, come teach. So she taught their part time. So again, it's not impossible. It's all about who you know, but I don't know anyone here. Like I don't know any yoga studio owners. So I have to get my foot in the door. I just moved to Bondi. I'm trying to test out all the different studios. And so I just did an intro pass for one of the studios and I'm trying to see if I can help in any way, even if that's social media. So that is just a tip if you do your yoga certification, get ready to get a little scrappy and be a hustler because it's not as easy as you think and you definitely have to market yourself, which is such a weird conflict, I guess is the word, internally because you're like, well, wait, I'm a yogi, I'm sharing this knowledge and wisdom and light and love, like, why do I need this Instagram that's so business focused and promoting and marketing and sales? And it's like, that's how people find you, word of mouth. For example, if someone wanted to find me in Bondi, and again, I just moved here, how would they know how to find me on Facebook? And then they go on Facebook and it's a personal page. That's weird. They're going to feel weird adding me and messaging me. It's a lot easier to say, oh yeah, go to Chelsea, go to the girl next door, Facebook page or Instagram. Oh, there you go. You can directly DM me. You can make an appointment. We can chat. That's a lot easier. And if you think of the barrier to get to me, it's not that hard because I have a public page. I say you can DM me, you can ping me an email, whatever it is. So the customer or the client feels like, oh, okay, I can just reach out with some questions versus personally adding me on Facebook or not even having any of that stuff and saying, oh, text me or call me, which just feels very weird in the yoga world to not have a face and a name and some type of materials to show. So that's a struggle that a lot of people in my yoga program were talking about that they're like, God, I really don't want to like brand myself. I just want to be able to find clients. And I'm sure you can. Again, I'm not saying you can't. There's a girl at my teacher training that was one of my teachers that barely uses her Facebook, doesn't have any social media, and she is in all the teacher trainings in India and Bali. And it's just word of mouth just because people know she's good. So again, that's not to say you can't, but for me, just starting out having no quote unquote name in the yoga world and being in Bondi, I wanted to make myself more accessible. So that is what I'm doing. Trying to find this part-time yoga job, see if I can teach. I'm teaching a free class this weekend on the beach. And then I'm having my little gelato job just to be able to pay rent. And then just little odd jobs here and there that I'm looking for, like helping people with social media, branding, um, podcasting, obviously still. I, I'm just trying to help out wherever I can. And I really like this lifestyle. I think a lot of people 
would say, oh my God, that sounds like a nightmare. She's just like scrapping her way around and lives with a million people and there's no stability. And it's true, like there is no stability in this move. Since I've been here, I've lived with a friend for two weeks. Then I lived in Bali. Then I was in a hostel. Now I'm in a place with five people and I might be moving again with three other people. So that's how the lifestyle is here when you're a backpacker. That's why they call it backpacking because you're supposed to be able to just get your backpack and go. It's not called like luggaging because you're really just supposed to be able to walk around with your backpack and leave. So it's definitely going to be a year of instability, a lot of change, a lot of settling, a lot of new faces. The thing with this apartment too is you don't sign leases. So you basically just find someone to take your spot, they pay you the deposit, and then you leave. So since I've been here, I took someone's spot, then another girl moved out, I think two days later, then we had everyone here, then another girl moved out three weeks later, another girl moved in, and then another girl's moving out in three weeks, and then I might move out. So it's basically a constant rotation of people. Again, that's just backpacker life. Like everyone's visas expire differently. They want to go travel around Australia. They want to go to Bali. They don't want to stay in Sydney or Bondi for the entire 12 months that you're here. So it's a lot of instability and you have to be able to adapt. That's the only word I can use for this is like adapt and adjust because it's a wild ride. And definitely have savings. Like, I have my savings, which really helped me. And it's starting to definitely dwindle. Like, I can probably only live off of it another month. And I'm like, God, I should have not spent so much money in Bali. And I shouldn't have done that the first week I was here. But then I was thinking, like, that's exactly why I saved money. So I could do that. Like, what are you talking about, Chelsea? I literally saved my money so that when I got to Sydney, I could enjoy it. I didn't come to Sydney to, like, live in a cupboard and not go out and eat in every day and not talk to anyone like i came to sydney so i could live on the beach so i could be able to go out to a cafe or dinner or whatever and enjoy myself and go get drinks with friends so i'm trying to remember that money is limitless and that it's an abundant source if you want it to be which is why i'm not tying myself to one job or one nine to five or one thing anyway because i just don't believe that i have one stream of income while i'm here i think i'm gonna have a few so yeah, that's the Australian updates. I'm trying to think of words. And now it's not even Australian words I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with UK words because I live with people all from the UK. They're all from different parts of England, but they all say things that I'm like, I have no idea what you guys are saying. Let me think of three things that they've said. Oh, chav, pikey, and reprobate. I think those all kind of mean the same thing, but it means like trailer trash. And apparently my name, Chelsea, is like a trailer trash name in England, which is so funny because they have the soccer team that's Chelsea. And they're like, mm, no, it's a Chav name. And I'm like, what's Chav? I'm like, it's like a trailer trash. So Chav, Pikey, and Reprobate. Um, what else? They say happy days a lot. That's actually Australian kind of too. Like, oh, happy days. Like, good job or like ah oh, yes you made it or something like that they all oh, happy days i'm like oh that's so funny i just can't get myself to say that what else they said something yesterday oh they say doing fuck all if they're doing nothing and so we were in this group text and the guy's like yeah i just got to work doing fuck all and i thought he was saying like fuck us all and i'm like what like, why is he saying that to our group? Like, I know they're, they have banter, but like nothing's even happened in this group text. And then the girl said it yesterday and she's like, yeah, I did nothing at work. Just sat there, did fuck all. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, just means like doing absolutely nothing. So 
just a hot tip. If you're at work doing fuck all, you're doing nothing. So I keep learning new words and phrases every day. I can't wait to see if I pick up some type of English or Australian twang of an accent because I'm around them all day, every day. Um, I don't think I have yet. You can listen to this podcast and let me know, but there's definitely times where I respond and I'm like, did I just say that kind of British? Like what's going on here? But speaking of traveling abroad and living a completely unstable life, today's guest is doing just that. You guys definitely know her if you watch Below Deck. It's Anastasia, the third stew, who is living a lifestyle of complete travel and wanderlust. She has a home base in Vermont, but she's literally in a new country, I feel like, every other week. I follow her on Instagram, and she, in the past, I feel like, five weeks has been to New York, the south of France, Sri Lanka, London, Vermont, LA. I'm like, what? I would just be so jet lagged. But again, it's that lifestyle where you're just like, yeah, I like to pick up and go. It's not a big deal. So she lives such a fun life. She's a yachty, as you know, from below deck, but she also owns a yoga studio in Sri Lanka, which I might have a job at after this interview. So it's really interesting to hear how someone so young has the wherewithal to not only open a yoga studio, like I don't understand how she's that young and have that business sense, but also understands how to use your finances properly. So she will do yachting and save a ton of money and travel, but then at the same time, she created this business and you don't just create a business for free. So it's very interesting to hear someone that's living that wanderlust life, but then also has a business sense, which is definitely what I want to do. I think you guys are going to love this interview because we get so much behind the scenes scoop of what goes down on Below Deck. I basically might be dating Travis, so hi Travis, don't know if you're listening, but you're kind of my boyfriend now, and we just hear basically some crazy stories about yachties that I'm like, you know what, I wanted to be a stew, and now I'm not so sure because of what Anastasia told me. So with that, let's dive in, and you can hear all about behind the scenes on Below Deck. I think first we need to cover what on earth you've been doing the last like few weeks. You were in Europe and you're in LA. Now you're in Vermont. Can you tell us what's been going on in your life? Yeah. So um, I got back from Sri Lanka at the end of May. I was home in Vermont for all of June. And then um, most of July, I've been just gallivanting around Europe. I went to um, Italy, Greece, France, the UK, um, Portugal, and then um, I ended my trip in L.A. And and I just got home a few days ago to Vermont. I've just been doing like um, some boat stuff, just visiting friends, um, just living my best life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you have just been basically working a ton of different jobs. It sounds like you don't have one steady occupation that keeps you at one place yeah i mean well i have i have my eco cafe and yoga studio in sri lanka but um i've closed that down for the summertime just because it's super slow season and after everything that happened with the bombings and everything it's been you know a little bit rocky for tourism so i just kind of use this summer to um you know really focus on traveling and you know, reconnecting with my friends and stuff, because I've been in Sri Lanka um, since last November, just um, building this business from the ground up. 
Oh my goodness. Can you tell us about that business specifically? Because I know it sounds like it was your baby for the last Yes. Years. Yeah, it is my baby. Um, so I got this amazing business opportunity to um, spearhead a project in uh, South Sri Lanka. So um, I've built a eco cafe and yoga studio called Ajna, A-J-N-A, which is uh, the third eye chakra. Um, it's, it's a cafe that it's not just vegetarian food, um, it has something for everybody. And you know, we have some healthy stuff. We have some not so healthy stuff. Um, just kind of a little bit of everything. We have a really amazing, um, espresso machine. So we have great coffee, juices, smoothies, um, and then, um, it's kind of conjoined. We have these like huge wooden doors that open up to this gorgeous shala in the back and the shala is huge. Um, and it's all outdoor. It's very open, um, right next to the beach. It's, it's paradise. And why did you put that specific location? Uh, that's, that's where the business opportunity was. So I met my business partner, uh, when I was traveling in London last July and, um, yeah, he's Sri Lankan and, and that's, that's kind of where they own the property. And they kind of had this idea of, okay, we, this is what we think would be successful here, but we don't know anything about restaurants and we don't really know anything about yoga. <laughs> so we kind of need a chef yoga teacher and that's what I am. So it was just a perfect fit. Oh my gosh. It was like serendipity. It just, I know it was just like right place, right time. Stars have aligned and this is what I'm doing now. I love that. And it yeah. sounds like a lot of these experiences probably happen because you travel. So you, can you tell us about your childhood and how did you get into traveling and yachting and all the stuff that you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. So um, my childhood, I mean, my mom and I made a really big move when I was two years old. We moved from the Republic of Georgia um, to Vermont and uh, Vermont, Burlington, Vermont is where I grew up. Um, and, you know, I went to college um, and I studied nuclear medicine. So I have a bachelor's of science degree in nuclear medicine. And I, I worked for a year professionally and I kind of just thought like, okay, like Vermont is just going to be where I end up. It's, I have my job here. I, I'm saving money. I'm living with my parents. You know, I, I did the thing. I got the degree, you know, I was just kind of doing everything that the typical like American dream kind of thing. And I just, I just still wasn't happy. And, um, I, I was bartending on the weekends and I met this, uh, ski patroller who was a captain in the Mediterranean in the summers. And he was like, Hey, so, um, do you want to maybe come sailing with me and my friends in Greece this May? And I was like, uh, yeah. I definitely, yeah, Why not? <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to go sailing. I had never been on a sailboat before in my life. Um, so, and so he asked me that in January. So between January and May, you know, we started whatever, hanging out, we started dating and then it comes to go on this trip and it's a three week trip around Greece. Um, and, you know, I kind of just take my role. I get down in the galley. I start cooking for everybody. It's just kind of how I've always been. And, uh, you know, I'm cooking underway and under sail and whatever. And he's like, wow, like you're actually like a really, you're really good at cooking and you don't get seasick. Like there's this whole industry for people like you and me who can work on, you know, sailing yachts and motor yachts and, and run these boats as a business, you know, captain and chef teams. And I was like, you know what? That sounds so much better than what I'm doing now. 
So I, I called my boss and I was like, listen, I know that I've been working really hard for the last four years to get this specific job, but I quit and uh, I'm going to be staying in Europe. And she was like, I saw that coming. <laughs> uh, if you want your job, when you get back, it'll be here. I was like, okay. And then came the hard part, which was calling my parents and being like, yeah, so remember that guy? Um, we're going to stay in Europe and we're going to go sailing and I'm going to be, I'm going to cook on boats. And my mom was like, what is wrong oh, with you? Like, God. are you kidding me? We did not just like go through four years of college and like, you know, countless hours in the clinic, you know, just like you work hard. But I was like, you know what? I am miserable. And if I don't take this opportunity, I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. So I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I did it. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. We ended up working in the Mediterranean for the rest of the summer. And then we, um, the Caribbean season started in November. So we did that. And that's what I was doing for the last, uh, three and a half, four years. It's just working on boats. That's insane. <laughs> Did you have to get any type of like certification or yachting yeah. certification? Because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering how to get into that business. Yeah. So you um, you have to have an STCW 95, which is this basic firefighter safety, you know, CPR first aid course that you have to have if you're going to work on any size vessel. Um, and then you get your ENG one, which is like a, a Marine doctor kind of guy will give you like a medical test essentially saying like, yeah, they're good to work on boats. Um, and those are the two things you really need. I mean, you just, you write a CV and even if you're green, even if you've never worked on a boat before, like you can still get a job. Um, which is pretty cool because as captains, you know, they have to go through a lot more training, you know, spend way more money to get their certifications and stuff. But, you know, they also have a much bigger responsibility on the boat and they get paid more. But as a, as a deckhand or a stewardess or a chef, like you can, you can get on a yacht without having to take, um, like some huge exam, you know, you can, you can do your SCCW 95, which is a week long course. It's going to cost you anywhere between 1500 to $2,000. But I mean, you make that back so quickly. And so that's what you did. And what was your first like mega yacht experience where it wasn't so sailboat specific? Yeah. So before working on Sirocco for Below Deck Med, the biggest yacht I had been on was, um, I believe it was a 62 foot Genoa, which is a beautiful, like beautiful racing boat, carbon fiber sails. And that was pretty big, but <laughs> it was all sailboats. Like I had never worked on motor yachts until, um, my experience on the show with Sirocco. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is wild. Can you tell us wild. all you got on the show? Because the crew is always different every season. Not not so much the chief stew and the captains, but it seems like the crew always changes out. So is it like, hey, if you're gonna be on this boat, you're gonna be on the show? Or did you send tapes in? Like I'm curious how people get on the show. The yachting industry is really small. You know, it's actually a very tight knit community. So you kind of just, if you're in it, like you just know everybody and like this person can send your CV to this person. You can get on this boat. You know, it's, it's a very small community. So it's just kind of like a word of mouth thing. You just kind of hear about these job opportunities and you just have to be super quick and jump on it because the yachting industry is so, has such high turnover just because it's so intense and like, 
you know, there's, there's people who will do it for a few months and then be like, I never want to do this again. And then there's people who do it for years and years and years until they get completely burned out. So it was just kind of a word of mouth thing for me. What's interesting is that you are a third stew versus a chef, but you ended up being a chef on the show and you actually are killing it on all the charters. So what made you even try out for, not try out, I guess, for, but like accept stew roles versus chef ones? Yeah, you know, I'm working on a sailboat that's, you know, anywhere from 50 to 70 feet long is um, really different. It's a totally different level of experience than working on a 55 meter super yacht. So, um, you know, looking over my CV, like because I didn't have any super yacht experience, uh, you know, I... I gladly took the third stew role because it was a way for me to learn. And, you know, I, I have a very, you know, I take a lot of pride in my work ethic and I pick things up very quickly. So it wasn't difficult, but I didn't ori originally gun for that chef role because, you know, I, I know that I can cook and I know that I have skill, but it's not necessarily super yacht uh, chef status. Um, you know, people work for years and years and years to be able to get to that caliber. Um, and the reason I fell into it for this specific uh, bow is because of everything that happened with our original chef, Mila. You know, she wasn't doing very well. And I kind of just stepped up and was like, okay, here, I, I can cook kind of, and let me just try and help as much as I can. And then Captain Sandy was like, hey, actually, like, you're very good and I think you can kill it and I think that you can do this and you know we don't really have anybody else it's the Monaco boat show so like we we need you and then it got to a point where I was killing it and I was like okay like confidence is building a little bit and um when the captain was like I have another chef but like I'm offering you the position like do you want it or not I my the first words out of my mouth were, yeah, I want to be the chef. I, I didn't even think about it. It just came so fast out of my mouth. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what You're just ready. happened? But yeah, I guess, I guess I'm ready. I didn't even, I don't know. I just, I had to get into a headspace. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is they're like, oh, you're being cocky or whatever. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like if I don't, pretend like I have confidence and I know what I'm doing, then I am going to just crash and burn so hard. I mean, everybody just kept telling me like, you need to start acting like a chef. You need to start acting like a chef. You need to be confident. So, you know, that's, that's what I had to do. I had to, I had to take on this persona of like, yeah, I'm amazing. I got this. And I'm not trying to convince anybody but myself at this point. Right. It's almost like the fake it till you make it thing. It's like you kind of have to 100%. show up as a yacht chef if you yeah. want to be a chef. Yeah. And I'm catching some heat for it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I, I had to act that way because if I didn't, I just would have, you know, crawled into my little shell and been like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So I had to. I had to act like a chef. What kind of pressure were you feeling when you got on the first charter where you were the chef? Uh, oh, a ton of pressure because I was like, okay, now I have to do this. I have to step up. Like I have to prove to everybody and I have to prove to myself that, you know, I can do this. And above all, 
you know, we're working for a tip and I want the guests to have an amazing experience. I want them to be happy because I want me and my crew to succeed. So it was just, it was a lot. And like, the thing is, if you have bad food, it can really ruin your vacation. And I do not want to be the reason why somebody like doesn't have a good time. You know, I've been to like all inclusive resorts before where the food was terrible and it ruined my vacation. So like, I know, I know where it feels like. And I just, I didn't want to be the cause of that. You've been cooking some really eclectic recipes that I'm curious how you even come up with the ideas. Like, do you Google them? Do you ask the guests? Do you yeah. just know? Like, where does that come from? Well, we get we get a preference sheet, right? So it kind of tells us what they're into, what they're not into. And then that's how we make our menus. Um, I pull uh, my inspiration from my mom, um, from my ex-boyfriend, who was also a chef. Like, he helped me out a bunch. Um, from Google, from my favorite, like, online um blogs about you know recipes and all that stuff and then also I cut a lot of shit for this but like Pinterest Pinterest is an insane place for inspiration like I could just type in an ingredient and I can see oh someone did this with it oh I really like the way that they you know paired this with that and I like the way that they plated it so I'll grab little bits and pieces and then try and create something of my own from there I love Pinterest I don't know why anyone's hating it's literally I know the name is like interest because you're on it to get inspiration so exactly i was like screw you guys like you don't i'm not on some kind of high horse like oh i'm this amazing chef i don't use pinterest no i am not above pinterest i love it it is a great place i get a lot of inspo from there so yeah how long does it take to prepare all those meals because it looks like to me it's it looks like it's taking four plus hours but is yes. that really true? It, it takes a really long time. Honestly, like from the minute I go to bed to the minute I wake up, all I'm thinking about is, okay, prep. Because the only way I was able to get through these charters is by being prepared and being organized. Um, chefs with way more experience than me can kind of just fly by the seat of their pants and just wing it because they have that experience. They have that bank of knowledge, but I don't. So I really had to work super hard to be on top of things and make sure everything was going the right way. So it, I actually cook and prep very quickly, but even with that under my belt, it still took me hours and hours and hours to do these things. And because I was so, you know, nervous and I had so much doubt, it, it just, it all kind of, I don't know, it all just started kind of blending together. And I was just like, okay, put your head down and just like, just chop, just chop, 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 yeah. prep. You got this girl. Like, oh, it was, so, yeah, it was a lot. Well, what's also a lot is that you then had cameras in your face. So was yes. this the first time on reality <laughs> TV? And was it like you were expecting? Yeah, it was my first time on uh, reality TV. But honestly, like these cameramen and women, they're they're insanely good at their jobs. And I mean, by day two, like you don't even realize um, that they're there. And, you know, you just the thing about it is like you just have to be yourself and you just have to do what you do and hope that people can be understanding and, you know, realize that it's a show. So (laughs) that's that's all I can really say about that. Were you expecting it to be what it was or was it totally different in either a good or bad way? Yeah, I mean, it was honestly, it was a really positive experience. Um, I'm happy that I did it. I'm happy that I challenged myself. Like everybody on that boat was so amazing. I love 
all of my castmates and uh, you know everybody that we worked with was just so sweet and kind and down to earth and it was it was a really positive experience i mean it's it's getting a little rocky now in the episodes and watching them back i do get kind of like residual anxiety but you know it's it is what it is i can't change anything now so i just have to accept it and own it and just keep moving forward with my life yeah and i think people are overreacting to a lot of things like what oh, you're God, posting yeah. online right now i'm like what are people talking about mm-hmm. like I've seen 20 times worse on reality TV and I don't even think what you're, I I don't even really see any major issues, but of course there has to be drama or else it wouldn't be entertaining. Well, yeah, and exactly. And you know what people like, they hide behind their phones and they make these comments because they're sad about their own lives. So honestly, I just like, at first it was like a really hard pill to swallow, but you know, I've been talking to some of my friends and stuff and my other, my fellow castmates and they're just like, you know what? You just have to brush it off because at the end of the day, like those people don't matter. And what matters is that you have your real friends, you have your family, you have your supporters and you know, you just, you just got to let it go. Right. Well, what's interesting is you just said you got along really well with the rest of the crew, but in the past, if you haven't, what's it like navigating a whole charter because those quarters seem pretty tight. (laughs) Yes, they are. Oh my God. They are super tight. I mean, and that's the thing too, it's like even in in any yachting situation, like there is going to be tension and there's going to be drama because you're eating, sleeping, living, working, breathing with the same people every single day in such small quarters. And no matter how much you love each other, no matter how much anything, like the job is stressful and it will get to you and you will get snappy, but as a yachty, you know, you know these things. So you don't hold it against people. You're just like, yeah, I get it. You had a bad day. You're stressed out. Like, I still love you. You're still like, you're still my friend. What about these seasons? Like they, it seems long, but then I also hear people that do shorter seasons or longer seasons. Like if someone wants to get into yachting, how long are they I don't know what the word is, like should prep for, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it honestly, it depends on the yacht. So the Mediterranean season that I worked was from May to um, September. Um, The Caribbean season I work is from November to about May. So you could work all year round if you wanted, or you could just work a couple months of each season, or you could just get a temp job and work a few weeks. Um, you could even get on a private yacht and just work all year round for the owner. You know, it really depends on if you're doing, um, you know, chartering your yacht or if you're working for a private yacht, it it all depends. You can really work as little or as much as you want. So there's literally just a bunch of different options. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the job, you know, like I could just say, Hey, you know what? I need to make some quick money. I'm going to go get a job in um, Antibes for two months just so I can save, you know, 20K and then continue on my travels in Southeast Asia. That's amazing. And I don't know how, I know on the show, they always show the tips that you guys make and they always hand them to you in cash. Do Yachty's only make money from the tips or is there like a base or does it just yeah. depend on the boat too? You get, you get a salary. 
And again, that depends on the boat, depends on your experience and your position. Um, chefs make great money. Um, you know, the higher your position, the, the better money you're going to make. But even even as an entry level, like third stew, you could still make upwards of three, four thousand euros a month. And then on top of that, getting all of your tips. And, you know, depending on the boat you work on, you can make anywhere from a thousand to four thousand dollars in tips a week. Dang, I'm about yeah. to get in the yachting. <laughs> I know. It's 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 a really, really lucrative job. But with that being said, it is not glamorous. You know, you miss mm -hmm. holidays, you miss birthdays, you miss everything, and you're always out on sea. Like it can get lonely. You're living in a tiny cabin. You're working 16, 17, 18 hour days, busting your ass for people. It it can be a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, what advice do you have for someone who would want to get into yachting? Oh my God, my advice would be if you don't have any experience in hospitality, get some because you need to learn how to just be able to bite your tongue and smile and be like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Of course I can do that for you. And learn how to work for a tip because, you know, if you're in the industry of service, you got to be able to leave all of your baggage at the door and just put a smile on and be like, I absolutely love cleaning your toilet and I love <laughs> making your bed and I love getting you an orange juice at three in the morning. Like you just, you have to be able to fake smile and just pretend like you love every minute of it. So yeah. having hospitality experience is a huge plus and I highly recommend just like working in a restaurant for a summer or like whatever it is before getting yourself into yachting. Or you can just throw yourself in and figure it out. That <laughs> works yeah. too. I die when I see the timestamps of when you guys go to bed and when you it like shows someone being pulled this way and that way yeah. and napping. Like it doesn't seem like you guys are getting like a stable eight hours of sleep. No, we absolutely are not. And then, you know, on top of that, we're all stressed out. We're all working super hard. So, you know, like I said before, tensions get high and sometimes you get snappy and sometimes you get a little like irritable and stressed out and you just have to like, I don't know, you can't, you can't take that shit to heart. And you have to mm -hmm. know that like your crew members are gunning to have your back no matter what, even if they were a little bit bitchy that morning or whatever it is. So, and if you haven't worked in that industry, it's really hard to, to understand. Right. It's I like that advice of maybe try something out in the summer or the season before. Yeah. Because it sounds like it could get a little dicey if you don't know what it's like. Yeah. And you, you honestly, like you have to be able to grow thick skin because it's not, it's not for the weak of heart. What's the overall yachty culture like? Um, you have to love espresso martinis. <laughs> um, you know, it's work hard, play hard. I mean, we don't get much time off. So when we do get time off, I mean, that is just like pedal to the metal. Some people want to literally just like get a hotel room somewhere for a week and just be horizontal. And mm -hmm. some people just want to drink their faces off and just blow off all this steam. I, I'm not a huge drinker or partier. Like I'm, I love when we go out because I get to dance and that's my way of like blowing off steam. I'll literally like have like maybe two drinks and then I will just dance for hours and hours and hours. And like, that's what like that. helps me. And then obviously like, you know, doing my practice with my yoga and, 
my meditation and then also just like sleeping. I just love being horizontal. Like I am that person who would love to just like get a king size bed and be like, no one talk to me. I just want to lay here and die for like a week. (laughs) I am actually, so I'm moving to Australia tomorrow. Um, Yeah. So I literally leave tomorrow night. I quit my job last week and I don't know. Girl, congrats. Thank you. And that's why I was messaging you about yoga teacher training because I actually am going to do one in Bali. I know. I'm so excited. And so that's why I visit me in Sri Lanka. I know. I was like, I need to figure something out because you have like these. You can come teach at my studio, 100%. Oh my gosh. On air, just got a job with Anastasia. (laughs) (laughs) After I take my job with Chili's, you can come and work with me at. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and what's interesting though is that I don't really have a set plan and so I That's the um, best. I love that. Yeah, I don't have a set plan, but I'm like, I have faith that it's gonna work out. But when I land, I literally got a hotel room because I'm like, I know I'm not gonna wanna speak to anyone. Yeah. I wanna lay down in a bed, take a shower, get in a robe and like do that for two days yes. just to like Oh my god, breath. I'm all about the robe life. Yes. I was so I'm wondering like when you're traveling and you, you know, there is a point where this all hits you and you're like, whoa, I just need to like chill out. Like, yeah. do you, it sounds like you do the book, the hotel route, or maybe just find a quiet spot. Like yes. what are your decompression tips? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely using yoga as a, as a way to decompress is like really great. I know like sometimes like I really just don't want to move, but especially after a long flight or a lot of traveling, whatever, just like moving your body, even if it's just for 15 minutes and just like being with yourself and being like, okay, how do I feel? How can I feel better? What do I need to do? And if it is just laying down and thinking about it, then fine, do that. But yeah, I try, I try and make time for my practice. And then honestly, just like listening to my body. If, if I need to lay down, I don't feel bad about it. I just Mm -hmm. lay down and like, that's okay. Also, I love, I love living in a robe. Like it's honestly my favorite thing ever. Uh, I'm always in a robe. (laughs) I wish I could always be in one, but I can't. It's not acceptable socially yet. So I know (laughs) it will be soon. I'm sure everyone's in robes in like 2025. It's a wrap dress. No, that's a robe. (laughs) No, ma'am, you're wearing a robe to this five star restaurant. Take that off. that's so funny but like I'm it really is it's just so nice to just decompress and relax so when you guys are on charter do you have any downtime to outside of the nights that you go out to like I mean be alone well on on our boat specifically Sirocco we had 24 hour turns or we would have 40 you know 24 48 hour turns and um in that time we have to completely turn over the boat so we we drop our people off and then we have our little you know, five minute tip meeting. And then it's like, boom, back to it. Like cleaning up the fridges, making all the beds, like washing all the floors down. We have a lot to do. And then, you know, we go out to dinner and we go out drinking and then you just, you feel like shit the next day. And then you still have more cleaning to do. Yeah. What's it it like working hungover? (laughs) I I'm so bad at it. I am literally like the biggest baby. I have two drinks and I'm like, Oh, I'm dead. So for me, it's terrible. And that's why you'll see like in the, during the season, there's like nights where I'm just like, I'm sorry guys. Like I just have to go home because I know yeah. if I even have two drinks, I'm going to feel so terrible the next day that I won't be able to do my job. 
Yeah, it just, I can't even imagine. I would just want to, like, get a cheeseburger, watch TV, and then all of a sudden, that's not your life. You have to literally be cleaning a boat down from top to bottom. Yeah. No thanks. (laughs) It's a lot. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart. Like, you have to be ready to work super hard. Yeah. What about, though, the, I'm sure the location pays off. Like, you guys were in the south of France this season, right? Yeah. What places have you traveled to with yachting? Um, with yachting, so I've been um, all around the Caribbean. Um, I've been all over the Med. So I've been to like Greece, Croatia, south of France. Um, where else have I gone? Italy. Um, pretty much just those two locations. I've pretty much just been to like the Med and then the Caribbean. Um, those are like the two big big yachting hubs um i did a yacht delivery which is not nearly as glamorous um from england to sweden but that was that was super intense because we had to cross the north sea go up the keel canal up into the baltic and it was super cold huge swells yeah that was that was like not a very what on earth is a yacht delivery um so it's when someone buys a boat in one country and you hire a crew to bring it to wherever you want that boat so this this guy this swedish guy bought this boat in england and needed it sailed to stockholm oh my gosh so that was the boat you were on yeah so i was hired as um as you know just the crew chef just to make sure that they had coffee and tea and they were warm and they had soup and you know just taking care of them mentally with food um but then one of the crew members who is who is a skipper the captain got sick so i ended up actually having a watch and oh my gosh. and that mean her watches were six hours on or no yeah six hours on four hours off six hours on four hours off and having a watch is when you and another captain are up at the bridge and you are sailing so um they're like anastasia <laughs> we know you've only been on a sailboat for a few months but like you have to help us out because so and so is sick and they can't sail, so you're gonna oh have to take God. the bridge. Yeah. So you've been a stew, a skipper, and a chef. <laughs> I've done it all. You got all the experience. It sounds yeah. like that's kind of what what it is also with the yachting industry is like being yeah. able to adjust to all that. Yeah, you have to. You have to be able to step up for your crew. Like even if you know, like Travis, for example. Like yes, he's a deckhand, but he was able to step into the galley and help me out because he had that skill. And like it's super important to be able to kind of dabble in everybody's department so that if your team member is ill or whatever happens, like you can kind of step up and help the entire team like pull their weight. I was going to ask, how was working in the galley with Travis since he was technically a deckhand? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, Captain Sandy just was just like, Travis, like you're going to be helping Anastasia. And I was so, so grateful for his help. Um, You know, he helped make all the crew meals and he helped, you know, like prep and certain things that, you know, really made my, you know, streamlined my time. Um, You know, I, I did feel bad that I was taking him away from the, from the exterior team, but I was, I was also super grateful that captain was like, yeah, he's going to be working with you. And, and Trav loves to cook. So it was fun. I mean, and he, he offered me a lot of support and I was, I was really happy to have him there. Is he single? Cause I think he's cute and would not mind an introduction. Yeah, he is single. I think Oh, um, maybe I can hook you two up on Insta or something. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm moving to Australia. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Perfect. 
So, you know, <laughs> Travis, just a shout out. If you want to yeah. grab drinks this Sunday when I land, let me know. <laughs> There's a lot of cute boys in Australia. Yeah, that is what I'm excited about. Yes. Um, oh, and what the about- cutest clothes, too. They have the best clothes. I like didn't even know that, and everyone keeps saying yes. don't pack too much because they have so such mm. different fashion. And I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, don't because you're gonna want to buy everything. It's so cute. What about all these places that you've been? Is there any place that you're like, wow, I could actually see myself settling down here, or, like making it more of a home? Oh my god, you know, it's such a, it's so weird because I am such a homebody, but I'm also so nomadic, and the thought of settling down somewhere actually like hurts me like I, I can't I can't even imagine it so this this thing that I'm doing in Sri Lanka is the biggest commitment I've had in my life so far I mean committing to living in a place building this business you know it was a huge step for me because I'm usually in a different country you know every few months and I'm right. so used to that lifestyle and I love it I'm sure maybe in a few years I'm going to get to the point where I'm like, all right, I want to save enough so I can, you know, have a place here and I can have a place here and I can travel between the two. Um, So right now it's Sri Lanka. I don't see myself living there forever. Um, I would love to have, you know, a little house here in Vermont. I absolutely adore, you know, being able to call this place home. It's it's so wonderful. Um, But again, like I couldn't see myself living in Vermont forever, you know? Right. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. And everyone's like, so you're moving back to where you came from right after Australia, right? And I was like, no, I probably will go live in like Barcelona, then Copenhagen, then Italy. Like I have no idea. And I don't and I don't want to (laughs) know. I love that. That (laughs) is honestly my favorite feeling. It's just like, I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. Well, where are you going? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you are resourceful, you'll figure it out. And I don't think people would take steps like like you and I take if we thought we were just going to completely crash. Exactly. And I think you have a good support system. And I want to talk about that a little bit. It seems like your mom really is such a rock for you on the show. Mm-hmm. So what type of support were you getting through her from her throughout the season? And even now with some of the heat that you're catching? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, my mom is obviously like a huge support system for me. And so is my stepdad, Peter. I mean, they just, they know me and they know who, how I work and they know like, the inner workings of my brain and they know how hard I can be on myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so nice having my mom be able to call her and just be like, okay, my frosting is shit. Like, please help me. She just, she's just such a bank of knowledge in the culinary world that I could literally ask her about anything. And she's like, oh yeah, you just have to do this, this, and this, and that'll do that. And this will be perfect. And you know, I'm like, okay, how the hell, I mean, she's been in the kitchen for longer than I've been alive. That's that's so amazing. Yeah. Like you have not only a mom that is supportive, but yeah. then basically can just give you all that knowledge. Yeah. Like you said. And I'm an only child. So, you know, I mean, moving from a different country and, you know, we have our stepdad, but we don't have any of our blood relatives here or anything. So, like, my mom and I have a very special bond and you know, I, I am her entire world. So she would literally like, if I was like two plus two equals five, she'd be like, yep, my daughter's right. (laughs) My daughter gets it. She would have my back no matter what. I mean, I have like some trolls on like Facebook or whatever. And my mom is just like, like attacking. (laughs) I'm like, mom, don't even like listen to it. She's like, no, I can't talk about my daughter this way. Like, blah, blah, blah. 
like she is she's very fierce um and she loves unconditionally and i'm i'm so lucky to have both of my parents in my life oh i love that that is so cute yeah. like, like little mama coven yeah yeah <laughs> I, I mean like i'd be scared of my mom if yeah if i wasn't her daughter the other side of i am scared of my mom still <laughs> I know. They're, I feel like that's oh, anyone that's like close to their parents. Yeah. It's like if they do the like Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. get over here. You're like, ah. oh yeah. When my mom starts know. yelling in Russian, then I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm oh yeah. Scared. Sorry. It, or uses your middle name. Yes. Like, get over here, Chelsea Lee. Yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. When she's like, Nasya, and I'm like, uh oh, I've done something. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Right. What about uh, being on a relationship on a yacht? Because you were on one this season, yes. and so I'm curious what it's like when they're not on the yacht and then when they are on the yacht because it yeah. sounds like you've had that experience too. yeah i've had both i mean working with your partner is i've i've had the captain be my boyfriend i've also had the yacht chef be my boyfriend and both are super difficult um because i mean just like with your crewmates you're with them all the time and the only place you can have any privacy or like fight or anything is in your cabin. So your cabin turns into this like toxic place of like arguments. Um, but you can't, you can't ever let the guests know that there's something wrong. You just, you always have to have a smile on, even if your boyfriend was a dick to you that day and you're so mad at him, but you have to go up there and be like, hello. Yeah. Look, we're so in love and everything is great. <laughs> we love each other. Then we get in our cabin. I'm like, bah, 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 bah. Um, yeah. But then not having the boyfriend on the boat is also difficult because, you know, the time difference was huge. I did need a lot of, like, support, and I was going through a lot, and it was hard to not be able to talk to him when I wanted to. And, you know, we had just started dating as well, and I was like, yeah, so um, I'm going to go halfway across the world and go work with all these amazing people. See you later. <laughs> Yeah, See you in a few months. And he was like, okay, bye. Um, so yeah. But he was he was so supportive of me and he never like, you know, added any stress. And um unfortunately we're not together anymore, but we're still like really good friends and I see him when I'm back home in Vermont and he's we're we're still we're still friends and talking, so I'm happy about that. That's nice that you guys got to stay in touch. And I'm so curious about the Wi-Fi situation and, yes. and your phones because it looks like you do get your phones and that you can, can contact people. But then you're also in the middle of the sea on a boat. Like, yeah. what is the Wi-Fi situation? Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's really bad. The thing is, is we do a lot of like coastal yachting. So we're never that far offshore. Um, so, you know, when you're doing things like crossings and stuff, you have your like satellite phones and whatever, then you definitely don't have Wi-Fi. But, um, because we're doing a lot of like coastal yachting, it's, it's not so bad. We do, we do have connection, but just like any Wi-Fi connection, it's, it's shitty sometimes. Right. What about the guest requests? Because I've been watching the show for, since it's been on and I've seen some crazy oh, requests. <laughs> Yeah, since from food to specific things that they want in their room to things that they yeah. want to like parties. What about your experience with like either the craziest or weirder, weirdest requests that you've had from a guest? Um, weirdest requests. I mean, definitely like for as far as ingredients go, like I had definitely never worked with sea urchin in my life. Um, and I did not like having to literally like cut them open with scissors. Ooh, that was like, yeah. that was super gross for me. Um, but you know, it was a new ingredient. Like I, I'm all for trying things and being creative. So 
you know, it was gross, but I was also like, okay, cool. Pushing myself to try something different. Um, as a guest request though, I don't remember who told me this. Asia might've actually told me this. I think it was her or somebody she knows had a woman who (laughs) refused to bathe in anything but Evian water. So the crew would literally have to like open up bottles of Evian and like pour it over this woman so she could shower. What? Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Cause now I'm thinking, I'm like, wait, yeah, you don't just like put Evian in a pipe yeah, and it comes out no, of the shower. You can't, you have to literally like open water bottles and like pour it on her. Oh my God. I, I heard that oh, and I was like, wow. All right, that is, I, I'm done. Like I can't. With yeah. Like, people are out here freaking showering in Evian water yeah. and yeah. I was just cleaning a toilet. Like how is this adding up? oh yeah it really makes you question your life sometimes you're like how am i why why am i here (laughs) yeah how am i here and you're there like what do i need to do and we're on the same vessel like tell me (laughs) what about on this specific season um did you have to do any of those extremely hard treks like i just watched the episode where they went all the way up to ez and looked like they were doing a freaking tour de France up the side of the mountain. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> felt what so friend. bad for them. I really I was oh, dying watching that. God. I mean, me too, because that was the first time I've seen it. I didn't even know. I didn't know what they were going through. I didn't even know where they were going. You know, I just, I made my lunch and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done. Like, thank God, beach picnic. They're getting off the boat. I have like an hour to myself. Um, so, like, I didn't really understand <laughs> the lengths they had to go through to do that picnic i mean oh man and then the fact that we were all back on the boat just like playing with the water toys. i was dying at the juxtaposition <laughs> it's like someone's back flipping jumping selfies uh, in between yeah we're and literally like, like going down water? the water slide like this is awesome yeah and they're oh, like they were sweating so their asses off like hiking up as oh i i felt i mean i truly felt bad i didn't know that i didn't know the gravity of that situation Right, because you were also in the galley, yeah, so yeah. It's not like that was even your role at the time. Yeah, exactly. Go. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wasn't a, a stew anymore at that point. So I just, you know, I, I did my job. I, I made the food, and that was it. What about on other charters that you've done? Uh, it seems like from watching this season and other seasons that beach picnics, everyone hates. Like it's yeah. a bitch to set up. Someone always forgets something. Something flies off the table. Is that a common? Uh, headache that the crew has or what's like a big thing with yachting that you guys are like oh here we go again have to set that up yeah no beach picnics are definitely like a huge pain in the ass I mean it is just so much like lugging of stuff you know you gotta put it in the tender you gotta get it out of the tender like there's just you gotta pack it repack it and then it's the guests literally enjoy it for like 30 40 minutes and then they're like okay we're done and you're like oh my god I literally just spent like three hours doing that (laughs) Oh, and it seems like for the deck team, it's the slide. I feel like every time they oh do the slide, god. they die. Oh my god, I feel so bad for them. I mean, that thing is that thing is so unbelievably heavy. Like you wouldn't even like. I've tried like lifting it up once, and I was just like, "There's no way I could ever do this. This is like the heaviest thing I've ever." Had. And you know, it's just like hanging off the side of this fucking super right. yacht. It's so high I up. Don't even, it's yeah, so now heavy. I'm I don't even get how they get it back on when it's they, just they literally the muscle it. They muscle it back up. Wow! Yeah. No, thank you. I know. They get <laughs> no so sweaty. I mean, oh my god, this poor, these the poor deckhands. 
what's the funniest thing that's happened on a charter? Oh my God. Funniest. I don't know. Um, I don't know. This one, this one time I, I was, um, I was just cleaning up after dinner and, um, I was, we were parked next to this other boat and, uh, the chef on that boat comes over to me and she's like, um, do you, do you have any like, uh, cleaning products? Um, I was like, yeah, don't you have clean parts? She's like, yeah, I can't get down into my cockpit to get them because someone literally took a shit between the entrance of the salon and like the exit of the what? boat. Yeah, someone literally took a shit on Wait, the boat. What? Yeah. And there's like probably what, five bathrooms? <laughs> oh my God. This didn't happen on Soraka. This was like on a charter. I did like a few years ago but oh my god just the look on her face she was like i just need cleaning products like please give them to me i was like oh my god that is so disgusting i'm so sorry i've also had i've also had a guest (laughs) get so drunk that they went into another guest's cabin and peed in their luggage what yep because they you know sometimes people get drunk they don't know where the bathroom is yeah Yeah. so So she thought that this other chick's uh luggage was the bathroom (laughs) wow oh my god so (laughs) you see some crazy stuff i mean yeah you see some crazy stuff that person waking up to their luggage like ready for the day she was livid (laughs) oh my god i can't even imagine like do you, I'm assuming too with the guests, there's probably some tension since they're together like all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Probably some fighting here and oh there. I'm God. assuming you've seen that. Here's my thing I think five days is enough. I used to do seven and 10 day charters. It is Ooh. far too long. And it would be with like families and friends. By day five, day six, people start to get like crazy. They like, they, you can see it. You're just like, okay, you're ready. You're ready to get off the boat now. Yeah. Like, uh, let's tender you in to the city and just stay there. Yeah. It's, it's luxurious and fun, but like living on a boat, no matter what size, it's still a boat. Right. At the end of the day, like it's still on the water. Yeah. You, you get a little bit of cabin fever. What about, speaking of cabin fever, do you guys do for entertainment? Like, do you guys, when it's, you know, those 24-hour turnarounds, do you mm-hmm. make time to, like, find something fun to do? Um, so Hannah and I would always have, like, little movie nights. So we, she had a bunch of movies on our laptop. And um, sometimes when we had good Wi-Fi, we'd watch Netflix. And then we'd always make popcorn. And she'd always put, like, M&Ms and stuff into hers. And I would have little, like, Twix bars. And that would be kind of our little, like, our little, like, nice, chill treat um, to, to kind of just like blow off some steam and relax. What about cabin assignments? I just thought of this cause I always feel like that could end up probably make or breaking a charter. Like do you guys pick or is it like the chiefs do and the chef, if they're both female must be in the same cabin or is it just, no, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it, I mean, it's, it depends boat by boat, but the chiefs is generally the one that's like does all the cabin arrangements. You know, you try and do it by like, if there's a couple, like they can share a cabin, you know, two boys, two girls, whatever. And then it depends on um, the shifts. So like if you're the if you're the third stew and you you have the early shift, you're going to be with the chef and, you know, the two stew and then the late girl will will share a cabin. Um, it was kind of pretty funny with our with our cabin situations. Um, originally, I was rooming with Chef Mila because I was the early girl 
But then uh, before Hannah realized and I realized like how much we loved Asia, Hannah was like, okay, like I can't room with this girl. Like it's, it's going to drive me nuts, like whatever. So she came up and was like, Anastasia, um, there's been a, a scheduling change. So you're actually going to room with me. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like you're the late girl. I'm the early girl. But, you know, she's my chief student, so, like, I'm not going to question her. I was I right. was literally like, but I just put, finished, put, okay, I guess I'll take everything out of the closet, <laughs> move it downstairs. Um, so then Asia moved in with Mila. Um, and then, obviously, like, a few days later, we realized, like, we all love each other, and it was fine. And then it was just funny oh that she switched our yeah. cabins. But, yeah, so then, so Hannah and I ended up um, sharing a cabin, and you know, I was the third student who woke up early and then I became the chef who still woke up early. So it wasn't too bad though. I mean, we were pretty respectful of each other and she was good at keeping our cabin clean. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I have to know, was Mila's cooking actually as bad as it looked on TV? Yes. That is wild. It's wild. I, Trust I think me. I have been blackout drunk and made better nachos. Yeah, dude. I mean, seriously, we, we're all baffled. Like, trust me, we're all baffled. I, I think everyone was shook and it mm-hmm. made you think like, okay, how do these people like get on the boat for chefs specifically? Do you have to like show some type of service or meal or like you literally just go by your resume it it, honestly like you go by your resume and you 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 have to submit a lot of photos of your food and um Mm. you know it 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 depends on the boat again but like some boats will make you do like a a practical right so like you have to show that like you can cook but some boats i mean most boats i've been on i just i send pictures and i send them my resume i talk to them on the phone they're like yeah right you sound great let's do it so you know, you kind of just have to trust, trust people. That's crazy. So outside of Mila, it seems like everyone was getting along pretty well on the boat. Obviously we're about to see a lot of upcoming drama. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything that didn't air that was hilarious? Oh my God. There's, I mean, just pretty much anything that comes out of Jack's mouth is pretty hilarious. He's fucking hilarious. My friend wants to marry him, by the way. So, you know, if you want to set us up with Travis and Jack, we're definitely available. I mean, Jack is looking for a sugar mama. So if if your friend is prepared for that, then perfect. I'll let her know. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, just there's there's a lot of like little things that happen. Sweet, tender little moments, funny moments that don't make it. And it's those are like the memories that I really cherish. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. It's just that time, like, it's such a crazy experience. And then to go through that with, you know, these strangers who become, like, your instant friends, like, it's it's truly special. I just thought of a question about the hierarchy of the yeah. boats. Like, it's bosun and then chief stew, but what does bosun even mean? And can you go through, like, each side of yeah. what the hierarchy is? Yeah, goes? so um, think of it as, like, a pecking order. At the top is captain. That's Captain Sandy. Then you have your chief engineer and your chief officer. Um, and then you have uh, chief stew, chef, bosun. Those are the heads of the departments. Um, and then from there, it trickles down to second stew, third stew, lead deckhand, 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 steward, steward, steward. Um so third stew is pretty much like bottom of the rank. And then, you know, the deckhands are pretty much at the same, same level there. Um, as chef, you are, you know, 
the only person in your department. So you obviously have the highest rank there. Um, and you do, you have a lot more say in how things run. Um, I didn't really like take that on because I was still so, I had never had that job before. So right. I, I didn't know where my boundaries were. I didn't know like what I could demand and what I could do. So it, that was really difficult for me. And, and many times actually Captain Sandy, I don't know if they'll show this, but Captain Sandy had to take me up to the bridge and show me this, show me this piece of paper she had with the order. And she was just like, look, you're not the stew anymore. You are the chef. Like you need to start acting like it, like take control of your galley. So she had to give me these little pep talks because I mean, I was just, I was a wreck. She seems really great at being a leader. Yes, she is. She's very she patient. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, damn, I, that would be such a hard job dealing with all the different personalities yeah. and everyone's a little younger. Yeah. And then you have all the like, stupid that drama are, like, too. Just all like, the drama. Uh, I feel like they, I don't know if it's editing, but I feel like Jack is always off the boat drinking a beer or smoking. <laughs> like it makes me die laughing like, on the boat. Oh my God. He just gives your wow a run for his money and it is just hilarious. He just could not care less. It is so funny. What about moving up? Like, how do you move up? Is it just purely experience and then who yeah, you know? It's, it's all experience. So like, you know, I say I did a year as a third stewardess and I did a great job you know, maybe uh, for next season, my chief stew would promote me to second stew, you know, or I would get off that boat and then I would approach another boat and be like, listen, these are my references. This is what I did. Like, I'd like to be considered as second or, Got it. you know, you kind of go from there. Do you keep in touch with everyone from this season? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is I definitely keep in touch with Hannah and Asia the most out of anybody. Um, everybody is in different countries, right? So we're all traveling. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. hard to find, you know, when we're both awake and, and not busy, not on a boat, not doing some other job. So it's a little bit difficult to, you know, keep in touch all the time, but that's what social media is for. WhatsApp. We do try our best to like FaceTime and call as much as we can, but it's not always easy. Right. What about a quick fire game of, just the cast of like who's the cleanest okay um who's the cleanest probably colin wow yeah that's that's interesting who is the funniest jack for sure he's hilarious who's the smartest um i feel like travis is like a low-key like genius I feel like that too. Yeah. This is why I secretly want to date him yeah. because I feel like he like doesn't let on that he's actually yeah. extremely smart. He's super goofy and silly. So I think that kind of like that side of him comes out more, but I, I honestly think he's actually like very intellectual. This, this is good to know. Yeah. These are great tips for our first date. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the messiest? Um, probably me. <laughs> <laughs> probably me <laughs> who's the loudest um asia <laughs> yeah she's definitely loud i can but tell. it's like um, it's it's in an, an amazing way <laughs> yeah i was like she you can tell it's just always positive it's yeah. like if she's loud it's because she's like literally laughing or yeah, smiling yeah. or like yelling some affirmation out to someone yes, you can hear her laugh from a mile away it's awesome I love her and Jack together. I mean, yeah. obviously you can't spoil the rest of the season, no. but I am rooting for them. 
I'm rooting for me and Travis. <laughs> yes. And double day. Double day. I need to know what's next for you. Like, would you do the show again? And you know, what's on your plate for the rest of the year? Yeah, um, I would definitely uh, do the show again if they wanted to have me back. It'd be super cool. Um, because I just, I did, I had. Although right now it seems a bit rocky for me, I did overall have like a really positive experience, um, and I loved everybody that I got the chance to meet and work with. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm just kind of gonna make my way back to Sri Lanka. Um, at the end of the month and just kind of get the business back up and running. Uh, I want to get it to a point where I can be like, right, okay, you got this, you're in control of this. I can kind of start to release the reins a little bit and um, hopefully over the next few years be able to completely step back and just check in on it, you know, maybe a couple times a month and start working on building uh, maybe another location. Oh, that'd be so amazing. Yeah. Where would you build another location if you could? Um, I think I definitely would love to build somewhere else on the coastline in Sri Lanka. But then I'd also like to go off um, into other countries um, that are big, like, surf destinations. So maybe, like, Portugal or, you know, maybe Morocco or somewhere cool. So amazing. I love that. And that sounds like a, um, what's it called? A very nomadic lifestyle. But then right now you're in Vermont, you said? Yeah. And so that's always home because that's where your mom is, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so nice. You have that like one kind of stable place to go back to. Yeah, I always have my room to come back to. And like, you know, my mom is not one of those people who's like, yeah, okay, when you're 18, like you need to move out. My mom is right. like, be with me forever, please. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, whatever you so, want. Yeah. So she, she always has a place for me um, in her home, so. That's why I'm also not worried about Australia. I'm like, you guys, the worst that could happen is I literally hate it and I move home for a little bit and figure yeah, it out. Like, that's exactly. The or you just kind of go around Southeast Asia. I mean, it's so cheap to like travel and do stuff and live. Or you can just come live with me in Sri Lanka. It's fine. I know. I was like, wait, we also, I'm going to have a job and Travis yeah, is going to yeah. be my boyfriend. So it's already figured exactly. out. <laughs> You'll be fine. Everything <laughs> is good. I know. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I'm so excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, where can everyone find you? Because I want to follow along these yoga adventures and more cooking inspo. Yeah. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is Nastia Sermava, N-A-S-T-I-A-S-U-R-M-A-V-A. -A -A. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. Um, but yeah, those Instagram is probably like the place where I do the most, um, posting about like recipes and stuff about my life and all that fun stuff and is there an official after show is there, is that something that one of the cast members made up um so we actually did um you can go on to bravotv.com and there's um little clips from this digital after show that we shot so as more episodes come out they'll release more clips from um, this digital after show that we did awesome. Aisha and I actually got to do ours together so that was really fun Oh, that's so fun. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's really funny. Awesome. Well, everyone, you guys have to tune in. It's Mondays, right? I'm always yeah. Monday night. I always remember because that's the only show I keep up with. <laughs> Monday night, go follow Anastasia, follow her adventures, go to her yoga studio, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Oh, thank you so much. It was so much fun. Yes. Thanks for doing this podcast. Well, you guys heard it here first. I'm basically dating Travis. I work with Anastasia. What else? There's a lot of unofficial, official things going on. Hopefully you guys can stay updated on me and Travis's love story, even though he has no idea I exist.
Let's see how that goes. Make sure to follow Anastasia. She is in Sri Lanka right now and it's so amazing. I'm just obsessed with her and this yoga studio idea because it's so smart and it's just amazing that someone, like I said in the intro, is so young and has that wherewithal to open a business, do yoga, still live a fun life that she's never just tied down and it shows me that that life is okay. Like it's not completely crazy to want to do that because i always have this insecurity of like okay this is a fun phase i'll go back and run to my shelter of a nine to five and around everyone that i know and listening to someone's story like anastasia's proves to me like there are a ton of people that are doing exactly what i want to do like you can have a steady business and make an income but still bop all over the world so i'm so happy i got to talk to her i hope she inspired some of you guys too to maybe just again take a big trip or start that side business maybe rent a yacht let's do that let's all just find $150,000 and get a yacht and maybe we can have Anastasia as our third stew. I don't know. Uh, hopefully one day I'm making that type of money to just be on a mega yacht, but make sure you tune into Below Deck. The season finale is next week. I'm so sad. I tweet out Bravo every day because I heard they are not having a reunion for this group, which is insane. They always have reunions and I'm just confused because this is like the best cast that they've had. They have so much chemistry and banter and I'm crying laughing every week that I don't get how Bravo could do that to us. So if you're on the same page as me, tweet Andy, tweet Bravo. Let's see if they can somehow put together a last minute reunion because the people deserve it. We need more below deck and we need to make sure that we get a reunion that we always have for every show. I don't get why this always gets thrown under the bus. It, oh, it's pissing me off if you can't tell. <laughs> Make sure you follow Anastasia. I will link her Instagram in the show notes, Nastia Sarmava. Make sure you follow me at Chelsea Rife. You can write into the pod, hello at in my non-expert opinion, and make sure you're tuned in every week. Episodes drop every Thursday. See you next week. Bye.